Welcome to Drinks at Work by Boothby with Sam Bygrave. That's me. It's good to be back. We've had a few weeks break from producing the podcast and I've been busy on the road judging spirits competitions in Perth and in Melbourne for the Australian Distilled Spirits Awards. I've also been visiting the bars there too and put it this way, there is a lot of good drinking happening in this country right now. And good drinking and great bars is what this week's Drinks at Work podcast is all about. With my guest, Mark Sanson, he's the content director for the world's 50 best bars. Full disclosure up front, I'm one of 50 Best 28 Academy Chairs with responsibility for selecting the voters for Oceania. And though it's an unpaid gig, they do cover the cost of my flights and accommodation to attend the 50 Best ceremony each year. The World's 50 Best Bars is a big deal, held each year in October since 2009. When a bar lands on the list, it can change their fortunes for good. They get more press coverage, they receive more trade, and they find it easier to hire good staff. But it's also something of a lightning rod for criticism. So in this episode, I talk to Mark Sansom about this. We get into some of the criticisms. We get into some of how 50 Best works and what it takes to put on an awards show of this kind of magnitude and loads more. So now my chat with Mark Sansom. Mark Sansom, thanks for joining me on Drinks at Work by Boothby. Sam, great to have, great, great to speak to you. Thanks for having me on. Uh, really looking forward to this chat today, or well, tonight. My time is—I'm guessing it's morning your time. You're over in London. Yeah. Ten a.m. Yeah. Ten a.m. So we've—I've uh, I've had a couple of cups of coffee, so um, I'm ready to go. <laughs> Happy days. Okay. Well, uh, just so we can set the table very briefly, uh, your role with World's Fifty Best Bars and Restaurants is as the director of content. Can you tell us a little bit about what that sort of entails? Of course, yeah. Um, so yeah, director of content for for bars, which I think I guess essentially means that I I sort of commission and write some of the the actual editorial content we have for Fifty Best. Uh, I also sort of organise the the events which we which we host and which we're doing on the on the fourth of October in Barcelona, which I'm sure we'll come on to. Um, yeah, I select the uh, the Academy chairs, who in turn select their voting academies, of which, of course, you are you are one over in uh, Oceania. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Check across the voter lists. Um, all sorts, really. It's um it's a really varied role across editorial operations um, and speaking to people. So it's never two days are never the same, which um which kind of suits me quite well. Well, that leads on to my next question. What does it? I was going to say, what does a typical day look like? But maybe, maybe better to ask you, what does a week sort of envisage? What I mean, do you do? I mean, if I actually chatted you through my week, it would sound terribly boring. So I, I guess I'll try, try and uh, try and jazz it up a bit. But essentially, yeah. it's, a, it's a hell of a lot of time on the phone, to be honest, um, across all different time zones. So like chatting to chatting to you uh, on yep. Aussie time, and obviously bartenders in the in the region, then our academy chairs. Uh, in Asia and working sort of further west through Europe, um, in, in sort of Western Europe, and then indeed in Africa, where we've had a lot of development recently, and then into into the States. So uh, there's no real, it's not really a nine to five. Um, so yeah, lots of, lots of conversations, lots of time on the phone. Um, we've recently got, we've been extending our team at 50 Best quite a lot. So there's quite a lot of um, bringing people on and sort of trying mm. to pass off a bit of bit of knowledge that, um, that I've accrued over sort of the best part of a 20 year career. Um, yeah, me, yeah, then there's the odd lunch, of course, which, um, which we all, which, which we all enjoy. And then, uh, a few hours in a bar a couple of times a week, which, um, which is probably, um, probably the best part of the job. That's the highlight, right? Yeah. Uh, you, so. but you also do, you do a bit of the hosting as well at when you have the actual ceremonies on. Yeah, so I mean that was that sort of came about a bit more, um, bit more well fortuitously, I guess for me, but less so perhaps for the for the audience. We um, <laughs> we had hired uh, for last year's event, um, the World Fifty Best Bars twenty twenty one in London. Um, we had hired uh, Rory Reid, who is a presenter of Top Gear. 
sort of again 25 years career in uh, in actually hosting award shows but he fell hmm. down with the hope fell down with covid on the on the morning of the event so um having on the morning written, of wow yeah, yeah literally right. the morning of so having written the script um my md kind of said to me look um we either we either scramble and get a random presenter who's got no connection with the bar industry and never seen the script before or you get up there and man up suck it up and and, and read it out so i thought god i'm well to be honest glad i didn't have didn't have too long to think about it but um yeah lots of re- lots of rehearsals through the day and um yeah actually went it went quite well so yeah it was um, really enjoyable actually but it was um helped in no small part by uh, dre masso who's uh, who's one of the founders of um of autos tequila who was one of the first uh, award presenters on stage who i think you could yeah. tell i was a little bit nervous he said you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna i'm gonna go gonna go over to my stand i'm gonna empty out that <laughs> bottle of perrier you've got and i'm gonna fill it to the brim with autos and then you're gonna grab that and have a swig every uh whenever you feel like you need it. And I gave that man a big hug. <laughs> <laughs> the secret to great presenting. There you go. That was it. That was uh, are we going to see you, up, see you up there again this year? Well, it's, it's still in the balance, actually. We, um, I'll certainly be doing the doing the intro, but we're having a couple of conversations with um, with with various presenters. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of not sure. But that that decision's almost taken out of my hand. That's our um, that's our ops director Joe's uh, call, and she's um, she hasn't let me know either way yet. So I'm um, uh, I'm on tenterhooks. All right. Well, we might start a petition for you after this episode. <laughs> uh, before we get on to uh, uh, fifty best this year, because I like to talk about it, because you're doing something a little bit differently with it this year. I'm sure most of the people who are listening to this and, and reading the transcript will uh, have a fairly good idea of what 50 Best Bars is, but can you sort of tell us what the what's the reason why you guys do this? What's the big mission behind it? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the, the, the core goal for every list we, we produce across restaurants and bars is to provide the most reliable collection of bars or restaurants to give to consumers anywhere they might be, they might be travel, traveling in the world. That's that's the genesis of what we did when we launched um, the world's 50 best restaurants in 2002. And then when 50 best bars launched in 2009, everything is geared towards creating that list and making that list as reliable as possible. And I'm sure we'll come on to how we, how we build that list and how it's um, mm. and how the voters are selected, etc. But we're also all about communicate community. Um, we really try and bring people together with all of the events, um, the events that we create. And now we're trying to, trying to spread that wider and wider. You would have seen, or you, you would well know and your listeners I'm sure will know that we've expanded our list to include the 51 to 100 list so now we we can celebrate 100 bars as opposed to just 50 but now we're looking Mm. to spread that we're calling it the floodlight as opposed to a spotlight and we're trying to make that even more broad so um, a couple of years back we launched something called um, 50 best discovery which essentially is is a really really exciting platform for us um, and something which I'm really really quite involved with and that is curated we've currently got um, 2,800 venues restaurants and bars on there and that's curated by all of the overflow votes that we get from all of our lists so we've been sitting on this absolute mine of data um, great bars and restaurants who haven't quite received enough votes to get onto our onto the main lists, but yet mm. have got have got huge uh, recognition and respect from experts like yourself um, in the industry. So what have we thought? What can we do with all this this information? So, yeah, 2019 immediately pre-pandemic, which was um, we couldn't, which was a great time to launch a travel-based search engine. Uh, yeah, we, we launched it, and then we kind of mothballed it for for two years. But we're just really cracking back on with that now. Um, and yeah, it's really exciting to be able to celebrate a huge number of bars in bars 
bar bar and restaurant scenes all all over the world which might not have had the had the spotlight but where we can shine that floodlight so yeah spreading that spreading the love even wider is really 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 close to our hearts but i'm also really really hot at the moment on professionalizing the craft of bartending in the eyes of consumers i think right. and i'm sure it's the same i haven't spent a huge amount of time in australia but certainly in 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 europe and in the states i think it's Lots of consumers can be guilty of, of considering bartending, particularly a kind of stopgap career. Mm. Um, one thing that we're doing this year with the launch of the, the 50 Best The Blend scholarship, whereby we're, we're really trying to professionalize what it looks like in the eyes of consumers to be a bartender and the years of craft that goes into, goes into becoming really skilled in your, in your profession. And indeed, mm. to show people that you can earn a decent, decent salary at the top end of hospitality. I mean, um, travel the world travel the world exactly meet yeah. amazing people so we're really trying to trying to show show the the wider consumer group that um hospitality is a really valid career and that it takes um it takes more than just um a, a gap between jobs to become um a, a great bartender and really learn the the artistry behind cocktails great drinks and yeah restaurant experiences as well right and so uh speaking of jobs how did you come to be in this role what, what's your background do you have a hospitality background a publishing kind of background yeah, it's kind of mixed, to be honest. Um, I guess from the age of, sort of 15, 16, I was working in, in pubs, bars, restaurants, um, just just um, pulling pints and, and serving plates in, uh, in a nice gastro pub in, in the UK for many years. Yeah. Uh, then, I went to, then I went to university and worked in, worked in bars as well, again, at, at a completely entry level. Um, I was playing quite a lot of rugby at the time. Yeah. Um, that career failed very, very quickly, um, quite fortunately for me. So then I, uh, after university, I did, I did a master's in, in journalism and then kind of just fell into hospitality writing. Um, yeah. I landed, landed a, a re- really lucky to land an editorial assistant job at a London restaurant guide called Square Meal. Um, oh, yeah. Really, really. That used to publish um, Imbibe as well. So it was Monomax. Yeah. They used to used to write for those guys, or might still do. Mm. Um, yeah, and I was there for sort of four years, and then I had a bit of a bit of an, an about face and went to work um, for Men's Health magazine, which was um, doing their sort of food and drink content, which was uh, okay. Which yeah, which was an interesting interesting few years. Uh, lots of debit and credit. Lots of time in the gym after after terribly late nights. But yeah, that was fun. Uh, and then yep. I went on to edit edit a magazine called um, Food and Travel for for four and a half years, five years. Um, so that was essentially writing about hospitality, bars, restaurants, great travel mm. experiences. And then, yeah, in 2019, I got the call from the MD at 50 Best, who said, look, we're really going to look to try and develop our our bars division. Um, I'd, I'd spent some time at the bar with, with the man himself. And he was like, look, come over. Let's see what we can do with bars and really try and push it to the push it to the next level. He made it seem very attractive and the actual job itself is as attractive as he made it, which is, um, which is pretty rare. Um, but yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely love the job. It's, I'm really lucky to, to be doing what I'm doing, travel the world, uh, experiencing great drinks, meeting some great people. Um, yeah. And, and making people really happy who are on that, on that 50 best list. So, yeah. uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's brought me up to current day, I guess. Very good. Uh, you do make a lot of very, a lot of people very happy, but I thought let's get into this now. You do, 50 Best can also be a bit of a lightning rod for some criticism. Um, so how do you think, how do you feel, like you're going to work today, every day, this is your career. Uh, you obviously work hard, everyone does work hard. How do you think about the role that the 50 Best plays in the culture, I guess, and in the, whether it's rightly or wrongly saying sort of, these are the best bars kind of thing? 
Yeah, I mean, as, as you can imagine, we get we get a lot of criticism, flack leveled at us for those <laughs> for those exact exact reasons, and yeah. I can completely appreciate where those people are coming from. Um, yeah. But of course, what is the best is objective between between different people. What I consider to be the best bar and what you consider to be the best bar are inevitably going to be different. But where mm. I think 50 Best does it really well, and I, and I truly and genuinely believe this, is when we do canvas our 650 international voters every year, we are, um, we're essentially not giving them any criteria to give their, yeah. their, their best bar experiences. All we do, we ask for the best seven bar at cocktail bar, wine bar, dive bar, whatever bar experiences they've had over the past 18 months, let us know what's the best. Now, when you compute those 650 votes, inevitably, the cream is going to rise to the top, right? And we invest so much time and energy, and I know you do with with your panels over in in Australasia. If Mm. we know we've got the best positioned people to cast those votes, by the time Deloitte has finished the computation and we've sort of collected all those votes, we know that those top 50 bars are going to be there or thereabouts the best bars in the world. So that's kind of, that's kind of where I come from in terms of believing really in the system that we have, but also it's, um, it's the level of authority that um, 50 best has as a voice in the industry that really makes me quite proud, to be honest. Um, Mm. Sizen, a global sort of monitoring agency did a, did a study on, on the whole bars editorial industry the other day. And it came through that we had a 76% share of voice in the, in the bars market. And, one that really surprised me. I knew we, I knew we were, I knew we were quite loud in terms of how far our reach was, but, but it also sort of kind of showed me that people do listen to what we, what we have to say and people read our lists and people look at the content that we produce and we try and really amplify minority voices across the, across the whole bar industry far and wide, particularly Mm. in the, in the discovery series that, um, that I mentioned earlier and with our expansion of, of academies, certainly into sub-Saharan Africa and Eastern Europe. So yeah. yeah, while it's, while it's hard to say what the best is, and I do totally take the the criticism that, that people do level at us. Um, I feel like we've got a pretty robust response in t- terms of our methodology, how we create our lists and the, the experts that we canvass those opinions from. Yeah, well, because there's only so many certain ways that you can come up with any sort of awards thing. I can't think of any bar owners or bartenders that I know who are sort of at the top of their game who are saying, no, we don't need any awards at all, right? So it's like, but then it becomes, how do you how do you do this? And I, I must say that obviously I'm biased. I'm part of the thing as a, an academy chair, but I think by canvassing that many voters, it's the, the law of large numbers. You're going you're gonna to do as well as you possibly can, I think. Exactly. But you guys yeah, do seem to keep uh, uh, tinkering with the with the academy as you as you go along, right? Well, that's it exactly, um, and I think that's going to be the key, to, certainly to the to the longevity of Fifty Best and the expansion of the the bar scenes that we look to represent and really shine that light on. Yeah. Um, when I joined when I joined Fifty Best in in 2019, we had five uh, continent continental based academy chairs. Yourself yeah. was one of them. Uh, Hamish Smith in in UK and Europe, um, who's done an amazing job of really sort of introducing me to the to the to the to everyone in the bar scene, essentially. We had yeah. Vivian Pay in Asia. We had a couple of guys in, well, somebody in, in, in South America and one in North America. So while the, everyone was was as connected as they could be to their regions, it always sort of struck me that we could be tighter to those uh, those regions. Obviously, in Europe, there's hundreds of different bar scenes. Obviously, in, in, in Asia itself, which is a hugely emergent cocktail scene, there's there's lots of different things going on. Again, North America, the home of the, the craft cocktail, there's an amazing, amazing scene out 
out there as well. So what I've tried to do is gradually expand the number of academy chairs and create a larger and wider um, academy chair network. And last year was the first year we had 28 um, international uh, international academies based in different regions of the world so yeah, yeah. last year we lo- so that's, launched that's from five to 28 five to 28 in, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in, in four years basically which um which is a big expansion yeah. um and it's a big flight bill when we look to bring everyone in once a year but it's uh but it's, it's something that I, I believe very strongly in that's the probably the, the core of our at the core of our business so yeah last year we launched in an, an academy in um in africa east uh, Africa West, um, South Africa, we've had an academy in uh, for a couple of years. Uh, we've also launched three new academies in, in Eastern Europe, where, like I say, I'm really excited about the emergence of the bar scene and some amazing bar shows out there. But yeah, I think the more, and, and certainly now we've got five chairs, sorry, four chairs in Asia and looking to expand that, expand that next year. Uh, mm. And indeed, in North America, we've now got eight, um, eight different chairs in eight different regions. So that for me is is how we can stay tied to bar scenes and how we can stay relevant and how we can make sure that our fingers are on that collective global bar pulse and we can really make sure that the opinions that we're canvassing through our vote are, the, are as live as they possibly can be and as reflective of those cocktail markets as they are at the moment. So yeah, those 28 academies compute into a total of 650 voters, which I believe is the is the biggest voting panel certainly in the in, in the in the bar industry. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I don't, I don't mind coming on, um, coming on pods like yours and, and, and defending what we do to the hilt. <laughs> Very good. Um, to furthermore to this point, like, so how do you ensure that you got the right voters on the, on the voting panels? Because it is such a large 650 kind of academy. What are the sort of the uh, integrity measures I guess you've got in place? Absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, the first and the top line and the most important um, line of defence when it comes to integrity is the selection of our academy chairs. Um, as yeah. I say, there, there, there's 28 of them, and they, each of them undergo um, a pretty rigorous interview process. Well, as rigorous as you can be over Zoom, I have lots of com- conversations with them. They're generally selected out of recommendations. Yeah. Um, from other people whose opinions I respect in the industry, I canvas bartenders, I canvas um, brands, I canvas uh, yeah everyone that I can do to try and get a bit of background on on these particular people before we appoint them. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, once they're appointed, then we obviously do it. We spend quite a lot of time conversing over the course of the year. But then we we ask them to select their voting panels with a really a relatively specific mix uh, of ideas and, and and people in those. So we ask for 50% or roughly 50% to be bartenders and bar owners. Um, for me, they're absolutely crucial votes because they're the guys who have, have been around the block. They've worked in different styles of bars and they really understand what it takes to walk into and assess a great cocktail bar. Mm. Um, and then with 25%, we have drinks writers and drinks educators, cocktail book authors, et cetera, et cetera, who again, sit around the other side of the bar maybe who then are look yeah. at looking for different things when it comes to their own personal assessments and then the final 25 percent is made up of um a group of people that we call cocktail aficionados and that's just people barflies essentially people who <laughs> <laughs> who do that great regulars thing of, of yeah. regulars exactly man uh, <laughs> who, tra- who travel who travel the world um drinking the best drinks who again have a different sort of perspective and point of view um to the other two cohorts of voters so by by including all those three different types of people, we know we're going to get a pretty balanced opinion when the when when the lists come out. But in terms of in terms of safeguarding itself, um, I think our biggest our biggest sort of um, 
improvement in the last few years. So in 2020, we introduced uh, Deloitte um, International Accountancy Firm uh, of high regard to audit um, everything that goes through in our list. So once we get our um, out the list through from our inbuilt or custom-built system of counting the votes, essentially, we give all of the data we receive to Deloitte. They go away and they spend three weeks really putting a fine-tooth comb through that data. So they'll spot check, um, they'll spot check to make sure guests have um, actually visited the bars when they say they have. They will yeah. look at all the all the data which um, which comes through. They'll make sure that nobody who works for a particular bar is voting for that particular bar. We have other safeguarding um, elements on the computer program, which does it. I, I, I can't really talk you through those, but it throws up um, <laughs> throws up lots of red flags every year, which means we have sure. to discount a few votes. Um, so yeah, we try and make it as, as as watertight as we possibly can. And again, it's um, it's an element of our process that I'm really happy to to tie my tie my colours to because I really do believe yeah. it's um, it's it's in the best possible place and certainly the the best possible place it's ever been. Yeah, this year you're hosting the 50 best uh, ceremony in Barcelona. Can you tell us about the the move to Barcelona? Uh, it's been held in London for for ages. Why Barcelona? Why this yeah. year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I've got to say, I'm absolutely buzzing, buzzing about it. On the, the the whole the whole week in Barcelona is going to be is going to be immense. Um, but yeah, so we, since 2013, we've held the ceremony in London um, with with a one year hiatus due to the pandemic in 2020. Mm. Every ceremony has taken place in London. Now look. London is is where, even though William Reed, the company that I work for and that runs 50 Best, is a UK-based company, we very much see ourselves as a, as a global institution. Um, so having hosted 50 Best in uh, in London for, for so many years, sure, London's got the, a great, great bar culture. It's got a huge array of international talent there. And the bar industry loves to loves to descend on, on London because there's so much this great city, um, it's where I live, so I'm a bit biased, um, <laughs> has, so much, has so much to offer the, 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 the entire community. Community. But we kind of, in the same way that we do with the world's 50 best restaurants, we want to shine the spotlight on other great cocktail cities, cultures and destinations. So we looked around the world to where we could make that first move out of London. Um, so Barcelona is a, is a two hour flight or an hour and a half flight from London. Um, mm. It's pretty, it, it's it's a one hour time zone difference. It's a city we all know very well that we've all visited on many, many occasions. And also it's got three of um, top 50 bars or the world's 50 best bars from um, from last year, 2021. So a great city for gastronomy because everyone who likes a good drink likes a good meal. So yeah. just for us, it made um, it made the ideal ideal partner for the first move, the first year away from London. And my God, um, those local bars, bartenders and brands are, are planning for one hell of a party uh, first week <laughs> first week in October. There's a cocktail week going on there as well, which right. is all, which is being organised by um, our, our our lead partner Escala, which is um, the largest drinks distributor in the region. Um, yeah, the city council of Barcelona have got bang involved as well. So it's um, it's a city which has really grabbed grabbed the mantle um, in the same way that we do in London. And we're we're going to put on going to put on quite a show on October the fourth. I can I can assure you of that. <laughs> well, good to know. Uh, what what kind of logistics goes into this thing? How many people are, are working on on these events when you when you're doing them? Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's a big team, and to be honest, um, the actual events themselves is completely full credit to our our underrated. They don't get enough recognition. Is that is our ops team, which is a team of um, it's a team of five people who are some of the most um, some of the most driven, uh, bright, smart. 
uh, intelligent, creative uh, minds in the events industry, and now they sit back of house. It's all very well for it's all very well for me to stand on the stage and, and make make a, <laughs> make 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 a, make a bit of a fool of myself. But those guys who who really do put in the the research, led by um, led by uh, Joe Burton, who joined us a couple of years ago, she's just been instrumental in really moving moving fifty best on and making us a, a global events um, mm. a real global events showpiece um so yeah there's sort of five people in the in the ops team who will contribute in in different capacities on the content team there's roughly roughly four of us now we put together the ideas for the show um the, the back of house stuff for that and then we have yeah. our partnerships team who are in constant um roger pietro i'm sure sure you know he's our um, partnerships director one of the best known people in the whole of the uh, bars and spirits industry now th- those three separate teams sort of dovetail together um speaking with brands to get them to come and support our events this year we're going to go with uh, a record number of 26 different brand activations which is which is a record for us and again i think uh, an industry an industry record in terms of um, in terms of number of drinks which are going to yeah. be served at the show um yeah so those sort of three teams come together content operations partnerships um everyone comes together everyone really looks to sing from the we've all got the same drive and ideology mm. behind what we do and that's making the world's best events and throwing the world's best parties which um everyone is is well and truly on board with and i can assure you um as soon as the curtain comes down on the, the end of the show we're all we will all be finding ourselves in a bar uh enjoying the, enjoying the hospitality of barcelona that's uh, that's for sure so yeah because it's not just the world's 50 best bars you do you also have asia's best bars uh north america this launched this year as well right yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so we launched um, Asia's Fifty Best Bars in in 2016, um, just in response to the, the huge growth of, of cocktail culture um, across the Asian continent. Now, mm. in Asia, I think it's it's certainly for me where the most exciting most exciting original genuinely unique drinks are, are coming from there's a huge liquid history in asia um people have been I mean, the, the number of different styles of drinks and different styles of spirits that have uh, been been in existence for a millennia means that it's inevitably going to give rise to one of the great um great cocktail destinations so yeah asia happened in in 2016 and that's um that's that's just been amazing in terms of the way that's grown um mm. and the recognition of bar culture in asia this last year we well this year we just held um asia 50 best bars in in bangkok which um which was as the city was just reopening properly from from covid and again that was that that was that was a pretty crazy week um very very enjoyable but yeah this year um back in may we launched uh uh north america's 50 best bars which which has been a long uh long time coming We've spent mm. in excess of eight or nine years researching how best to actually curate the academies to make sure it's fair across up and down from from North America and, and North America in in our regional listing is is, is obviously Canada, uh, the US, Mexico, but we also include right. um, the Caribbean in that as well. Um, okay. So making sure that the balance of balance of voters across those territories is spot on, and yeah, and how it was how it was received in New York back in. Back in uh, May for our inaugural list was just um, uh, yeah crazy fun as well and everyone really got involved um, really got involved and, and got into the got into the party spirit the yeah, um, yeah it was just it just a great few days and it's always great to launch a new event in a city which is which is that sort of cosmopolitan that happening that much enjoys a party we can we can certainly everything good about the bar industry that we can we certainly try and piggyback on right can you reveal any more uh, sort of more 
Small, small versions of the awards coming up. Is there like a Europe one? Is an Australia one coming up? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I get in trouble for talking too much about these things. Now we're look, we're always we're always looking at opportunities to expand the globe. And um, in terms of uh, what I was talking about earlier, and now in our mm. discovery our discovery collection of venues, that's going to be our sort of focus in the immediate future. But never never say never. As I say, Roger, our director of partnerships, is always um, he's always got his eyes on the prize. Very good. Ah, you got to ask. Uh, yeah. So having spoken about that, um, I feel like this next question is perhaps redundant, but I was going to ask you, what, what are the personal rewards that you find in this role then? Well, what, what, why do you do what you do? Yeah, I, I, to be honest with you, man, I, I, I just love the people involved in this, um, in the bar industry. Now, I've, I've been around restaurants and, and hospitality uh, in terms of writing about restaurants, bar, restaurants in the main and those mm. hospitality experience. But when I really sort of got fully fledged into the bar industry in, in 2019. Um, that was when like my love for bartenders and everything that that industry does um, really, really started to grow. Um, having spent a lot of time with, with chefs over the years, um, yeah. I, I, I've got to be a little bit delicate how I, how I put this, but look, chefs are chefs are back of house. You know, they're not used to dealing with people, and being <laughs> away away from the from the from the dining room can occasionally mean that it breeds um, an ego. Uh, and that's mm. not to say that bartenders don't have egos by any means, but um, but I think that the, the customer forward facing nature of of being a bartender is um, it just it just sort of makes people want to gravitate towards you. You know, like when you go into mm. those bars and you just feel you feel more welcome than um, than anywhere you've ever been in your life and then, and that's all that all comes from people so yeah I think in terms of what I, why I like this industry is, is the people in, in one um, I absolutely adore travel so yeah the job does afford um, afford me to stay in some nice hotels and drink in some nice bars so that's always that's always going to be good yeah um, but yeah just say so the people the travel um, and and yeah making people happy through our through our lists and content programs and and everything that we do but yeah I, I sound a bit of a loser saying it but I really do I really do love my job <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you love your job, you never work a day in your life. I'm not sure that's, that's, it, that's I'm not sure that's hundred percent true. <laughs> I feel there's a fair bit of work going on there. But um I do want to ask you, so so for people who are interested in this sort of, I guess in the event side of uh the industry, how do you have any advice for them how to get involved in these kind of Yeah, I mean God, I think thinking thinking back to the best like people who just put themselves in front of people and be themselves, you know, don't be too, don't be too corporate and don't be afraid to put your, your own personality on the, on the line. Um, right. when I'm, when we're looking to recruit for, when we're looking to recruit for 50 best, I try and look beyond the CV. You know, I look for the people who have really tried to understand what our business is about and somebody mm. who's really looking to, looking to put themselves forward first. I think, well, I think again, this may be me speaking a little bit out of turn, but I think LinkedIn culture has done nothing for, for for really improving the relationships between in, in workplaces and between employees and 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 people that people that manage them, I think people are being being taken along um, a corporate way a little bit too soon. And mm. I'd rather just see somebody's personality, what they do in their spare time, how they want to interact with with our consumers, our guests, our industry, and really try and get their per- try and get your personality across. I think don't don't be afraid to use innovative methods to get in front of people because that'll yeah. be the they'll, they'll be the people that you always remember as you as you're looking for as you're looking to dish out the roles and the as and when they become available yeah uh, do you think there's room for other types of award events uh you know recognizing bars around the world is there is there anything that you think that might not be necessarily within the remit of you guys but something that you would like to see sort of spotlighted on 
Yeah, interesting. Um, I think we're seeing some really, really interesting... I'm just looking for ideas, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Some really interesting like bar shows um, with, with completely original concepts that are coming up. I've, I've mentioned Eastern Europe a couple of times, but I'm really excited by the, the caliber of bar show and bar events and bar activations that, that are coming, coming from there. I think mm. North America in itself is always going to be, is always going to be at the, the fulcrum of, of really sort of bar culture and doing interesting things. But in terms of, um, in terms of bar bar awards and bar programs, I mean, thing is, like, there's a lot. A lot of the industry is, is quite saturated, and and what I'm mm. seeing is the what the new ones which are kind of coming in. They're not really doing anything anything fresh or new, you know. Mm. I'd I'd really look for um I'd really look for for and I'd be interested in getting involved with and supporting and listening to things where where there are genuinely fresh ideas and looking at things from um, a genuinely unique way because um, like I say like we like we said at the beginning there there are quite a lot of us lot of us out there and without unless you've got a real USP and something which is of both benefit to the consumer and indeed the trade um, it's generally been done before and it can be a little bit boring yeah (laughs) I hear you um Okay, last question for you. I'd, it'd be remiss of me to let you go without uh, asking you what makes a great bar for you. Because I'm not going to ask you what your favorite bar, or your great bar is for you, particular yeah. bar. But what makes a really good bar for you? Oh, good question. I'm, I'm glad you didn't ask me my my favorite because no, I always, I I always make you. really awkward and bad responses. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for me, I think like I've mentioned a couple of times, it's the people and it's the hospitality experience. Mm. Um, it doesn't have, it can be a spit and sawdust dive bar. In fact, some of my favorite bars are that exactly that kind of genre, but it's about how, how you, how you're made to feel when you walk through the, walk through the door for the first time. It's yeah. about um, everything about the place. It's, it's, it's kind of that first feeling you get when you go into a bar it's the light it's the things you don't genuinely it's things you don't notice that are beyond the drink so it's the lighting it's the it's the level of the music it's the ambience it's the attitude of the people who are in there it's the laughter of uh, of, yeah. uh, of the bartenders behind the bar that you know when they're having a good time you're just gonna feed off that so yeah i'd, yeah. I'd have to say it's sort of the, the hospitality and the and the I, I don't particularly like the word but the, the vibe in the place <laughs> when you uh when, when you walk when, where when did this word in. get into our lexicon so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't help but use it. <laughs> I know, I know. I feel like I'm, I'm trying to be 15 years younger than I that's am it. every time yeah. I say it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's great. The 2022 version is happening on the 4th yeah. of October. Um, on the 4th of October in in Barcelona for at 8:30 p.m. local time. For for those of you who can't who can't make it along, everything's going to be live streamed on our YouTube channel, 50 Best Bars TV. Yeah, like I say, from 8:30 local time, and we're going to have um, going to have a lot of surprises there, and the, the stage at the stage set is looking is looking amazing. So, yeah, please awesome. do tune in um, and follow the results on our Instagram page as well, which is at 50 Best Bars. Happy days. Okay. Well, thanks very much for joining me, Mark. It was a great chat. Sam, thanks so much, buddy. Take care. Thank you to Mark for joining me and thank you to you for listening. If you don't already, please give the podcast a subscribe in your podcast player of choice. And if you can leave a review, that helps us to get discovered by more like-minded individuals and helps us to grow Drinks at Work and Boothby as a community. I'd really appreciate it. Until next time, this has been Drinks at Work by Boothby.